0: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
1: There are many different paths you can take, but there's only one road to Atlanta
2: drive deep out to left field he clubbed it Brady twisting and turning looking up and giving up it's a home run for Danby Swanson
1: Flare out towards shallow right that's big
2: trouble Albies going back he dives and he makes the catch what a play Ozzie Albie. Swanson is headed for three he'll try for an inside the parker relay throw comes toward the plate he'll score standing and it's his second inside the park home run of the season this is your weekly podcast dedicated to the atlanta braves farm system follow the show on twitter at road the number two atlanta
1: now hit the road with your hosts eric cole Garav vidak and garrett spain
2: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Road to Atlanta, a podcast devoted solely to the Braves Farm System and Braves Prospects. I am one of your hosts, Eric Cole. You may recognize me for my work over on TalkingChop.com, where I have been the deputy site manager for, I think, what is it, three seasons now, and the minor league editor for the better part of six seasons now. As often, we are joined by uh, my long-term, uh, I guess, partner in crime is probably the best way to describe uh, Garrett. Uh, Garrett was my, one of my first hires uh, at Talking Chop to help me on the minor league side, and we've been kind of side-by-side doing this. Uh, Garrett Spain, how are you, my friend?
1: Hey, bestie, I'm doing great. How are
2: you? <laughs> I'm doing well. Uh, I'm really excited. Uh, base, minor league baseball is coming back really, really soon. Uh, I actually have some paperwork and stuff to fill out for credentials and all that stuff, and get that mailed out, uh, or get that sh- shot off to the appropriate folks here very soon. Um, and that's kind of a, a good feeling because it just means that you know, like, it, it, that it's really going to be coming back into our lives very, very quickly. Uh, actually, be able to talk about things that are actually happening on the minor league side. Um, you know, hopefully have some new storylines. It just, it's been kind of, I don't know about you, man, but like, it's just like talking about the same guys with the same information we've had with like a couple hints from like alternate side stuff. It's been pretty tough. What about you?
1: I'm, I'm ecstatic to get new games, new information. you know, actually get to see the guys play, you know, we get bits and pieces of video here and there. We get some spring training stuff, but not even remotely close to what we're used to. And it's been a tough year and a half but i'm really excited to finally get some eyes on minor league baseball again
2: absolutely uh and it's it's weird to be comforted by like that you know like minor league recaps are going to be happening again uh, i know that like I, I am pretty excited about the first minor league recap because i think there's gonna be a bunch of comments uh, a lot of folks just like being really thankful that they're back uh it, it happens every year but i think this one's gonna be particularly special in that regard i know that all the um like all the minor league guys are really like like there was a really kind of a clamoring for like you know can I have two recaps during the week you know like wanting specific days and want to make sure they can get games in and recaps are going to be easier for us this year because you know we don't have those rookie ball those rookie ball affiliates so there's only going to be four teams uh I'm sure that someone's going to be saddled with a bunch of doubleheaders one day uh and we'll be pointing and making fun of them when it does happen but you know we are comforted by the return of baseball. I'm going to be get as soon as minor league baseball is coming back, I'm going to be hitting the fields. Uh, I know that you're planning on trying to get out as much as you can. Uh, hopefully, you know, like, you know, with Garov's work schedule, hopefully he'll be able to get out here very, very quickly. And we're going to be watching a lot of minor league baseball too, just, you know, doing MILB ML, TV type stuff. Uh, we get, maybe be getting some, hopefully getting some access to some better information along those lines as well. But we'll kind of see how that goes as the season develops. Um, Well, this is going to be another mailbag episode. Um, I I did want to talk briefly, though, because we have been getting some information. Shouts to Chris Harris down at the Mississippi Braves, who's been getting a lot of really good information from uh, minor league camp regarding how those squad scrimmages are going. Uh, I did want to point out that a few guys have been performing particularly well. Uh, and you know how it goes with minor league camp. They're, you never really know. Sometimes they're going, against, they're going against guys who aren't exactly the cream of the crop in terms of competition. Uh, and, you know, it'll be like, you know, AAA guys going against high A guys and vice versa, things like that. So, you know, but I, will, I do want to point out that we have gotten good information that uh, Bryce Elder has been performing really well down there. Drew Waters has been hitting the cover off the ball. I think people have kind of forgotten that he's a really, really good prospect and, you know. There's a certain amount of prospect fatigue, which is a little bit strange for a guy that young who's performed that well. Uh, Michael Harris has predictably gone, performed very well. Uh, and Nolan Kingham, uh, who is a pitching prospect that I think that we've kind of maybe been a little bit more lower on or kind of wait and see on. Uh, being a college arm, I think we thought that he was going to be a little bit better at, as he's developed, but he seems like he's, prefer- he's been pitching really well. Uh, any of those guys in particular stand out as guys that you're going to be keeping an eye out for?
1: Garrett? Yeah. So elder when we <laughs> you know what i did no you know exactly yeah what yeah I you start did. yeah
2: you start you start talking without unmute unmute me i know exactly what you did
1: anyways what i was saying before i uh unmuted myself was i'm really i was really excited about Bryce Elder when we drafted him i think he's a good all around pitcher a guy that can move fast i really like what we had in him so i'm excited to see where he comes out at and how quickly he can get through the system um Obviously, Waters and Harris are big guys, and Kingdom. I mean, I Kingham is a guy who's performed decently well, but he's never like, he doesn't do anything that wows you, but he doesn't do anything that's bad either, so I mean, there's definitely a lot to like with him, but definitely the guy, I mean, of those four, the guy that we haven't talked a ton about that I want to watch is Elder, because I've... We didn't get a ton of him his last year at Texas, and now we're not getting a ton of him, and we haven't had him at all professionally, so it's going to be really our first time seeing him, and I really want to see what he has to offer.
2: Yeah, that that draft class in particular, I'm just really intrigued by. Um, you know, Kingham is kind of one of those like pitchability guys. Uh, he'll have starts where he's like really, really good, and then starts where, like, you know, he's not hitting his spots exactly and then he gets kind of lit up. So I'm kind of curious if like there's been some changes there, but like none of his pitches really stand out for me, uh, in any of the times that I've seen him. But, um, Elder's definitely a guy with that slider. Yes, that's, that's, that's a guy that I'm definitely watching. Obviously Drew Waters and Michael Harris. I mean, those are guys we've been watching close anyway. They're, you know, top level prospects. So I want to make sure that we're keeping an eye on them, you know, regardless because those are guys that could be impacting the major league club, uh, in a big way. But overall, you know, like those the two pitchers I think are the ones that have been kind of standing out as like ones that I'm particularly interested in. Um, but we do want to mention those notes that we we have been hearing. Um, and you know we'll be kind of sharing more information as we get it. But we are now going to get to the mailbag portion of the episode. And the first question we got here is: What player in the low levels of the minor league system has the best chance to be an everyday major league player?
1: Garrett, who is it? Uh, is it? Is it cheap to say Shay Langoliers considering he last played at A ball? Is that a cheap answer? I mean, it's uh, it, technically, feel, it feels a little bit. It feels a little bit like a true. cheap
2: answer. I mean, it's te- <laughs> technically, technically true. true. So here's the here's the problem with this question, right? Because. <laughs> The answer is Michael Harris. right? Yeah, <laughs> like, right. Obviously, like, like, like the the answer is at high A. I mean, like, who else are we even having a conversation about? I don't think that Shea is going to start in the low minors. So we're talking about low A to high A, like double A, double A, not like I just don't consider that to be the low minors. I mean, like, if you consider everything below triple A low minors, I mean, I guess you can kind of get in some weird, some weird discussions. But I'm pretty sure the answer is Michael Harris. But uh there's definitely some, there's I mean, definitely some other guys other than Harris that are interesting. To yeah, be I sure. mean,
1: uh, beyond but, Harris, I'd probably say like. Okay, I'm going to go with the not Pitching-wise, you know, a lot of those guys we that the Braves just got in pitching-wise, we haven't really seen a ton of professionally. Another guy that is interesting that we have heard a ton of good stuff about is Von Grissom. He's got, sure, you know, sure. he's fairly – he's an advanced player for his age. I mean, he's definitely a guy who could play – I mean, he's definitely got the bat to hit at the major league level, so that's an interesting player.
2: Yeah, uh not sure if he's – I mean it- – it's not a situation where I think he sticks that short. I think he might be a third baseman and then kind of, I mean like profile wise you wonder if like he's gonna have power. Uh, and again not a guy that we've had a, a really good look at since, uh, since he was drafted. So again a guy that we're watching. Um, I mean you could kind of, you know, again Makai Backstrom's another guy that we're kind of higher on than everyone else. Uh, if the, we, we like a lot of the raw stuff that goes on with Macai, and if he, is a guy that, that translates into good things happening in games and, you know, like a everyday first baseman or everyday, everyday DH. That is certainly something that's in the cards. Beyond that, like, we get into like this weird definitional thing of like what, who's in the low levels right now because we don't really know what the Braves are going to do with these, with these roster assignments. It's particularly weird this year because we don't know how the team's going to evaluate that development at the alternate site. You know, like, are they going to treat that like, I'm certain they won't be treating it like a full year of development in the minor leagues like they would normally function. But how much how how much credit are they going to give to that sort of performance? And are they going to give, like, guys who maybe haven't even played that much in low A, are they going to, you know, shoot them right up the double A or, you know, whatever? You know, we just don't know exactly how that's going to play out. I'm sure some of that's going to be settled out in minor league camp. Um, I'm certain that, you know, the guys who weren't at the alternate site and were having to do work on their own, they might move moved a little bit more slowly. But, you know, it, beyond that, I mean... The short version of, of the answer is that the answer probably for us is Michael Harris because he's the highest ranked guy in the in the low minors that we have on our prospect list and you know he might end up being one of if not the top prospects in the whole Braves system by the end of the season depending on how things shake out you know you have to still kind of play and see how he does but you know that, that's, that's, that's kind of the easy cheap answer. But there are a lot of really interesting guys in the low miners. Uh, particularly, you know, like, you know, on the pitching side when you have like guys like Tyler Owens and, you know, a lot of these, this draft class from the 2020 draft, things like that, you know, like where those guys start out, you could probably twist my arm and say that those are, are, those guys could be in that conversation too. Uh, next question is, uh, Victor Vodnik really impressed me in string training. Great delivery, great stuff, seemed to have a real feel for pitching. Any chance he gets the call for, to Atlanta this year considering our right-handed reliever depth. I have some issues with uh, calling what he has a great delivery uh, and, um, you know, feel for pitching too. I think he tends to be a little bit more wild, but he definitely has great stuff. I, I, I will agree there. I do see some effort in that delivery, which is why he's a reliever in the first place. But uh, Garrett, what do you think? Do you think there's a chance he makes it to Atlanta this year? I don't think that there's any particular
1: chance. I mean, he has really one full minor league season as a high school guy. I mean, n- If he comes out and really like just completely blows it away in the minor leagues, it's possible, but I really don't think – I think if he does that well, they're going to – they would try to see if they could get him to start before they would immediately promote him to the major leagues. I think they – you know, looking for right-handed reliever depth, they're probably going to just go after trades more than they're going to try to. I think he'd be more likely to be traded for a right-handed reliever than he would be to – be the right-handed reliever.
2: I don't know if I disagree with that last part, actually. Like, that would make a ton of sense. He's definitely a guy that would be an interesting trade piece. But uh, I actually think there is a chance. Um, just because if you really start torching things up as a reliever, you can move really quickly. Uh, and he's a guy that has the stuff to do that. I'm just not sure that's going to happen. Um, I think that the, the, the switch to reliever is one that's happened. Uh, which, like, you know, in terms of overall prospect rankings and stuff like that, you know, that definitely affects his overall value. Like, you know, I really was hoping the hoping that he could stick as a starter because guys who can throw that hard and who can also start are rare commodities. But, you know, as relievers, I mean, I think it's entirely possible. Uh, I think what's the the issue is uh, is there going to be a really a forced need when you have Chris Martin coming back? And theoretically, if you believe the reporting around Tukey's injury, you know, he's a guy who pitched really well this spring and the injury that he had wasn't something that the Braves were super concerned about as a long-term thing. Uh, and if he's a guy that returns to, then all of a sudden you got, you, you kind of have a little bit more, you have some righties that you like in that bullpen a little bit more. And, you know, there's some other guys that are maybe the higher levels that are more likely to kind of get that shot. Uh, I don't know if they're better necessarily, but they're definitely, you know, you know, you know, William Woods is still kind of walking around as kind of a relief option as well. And, you know, guys like that, and there's always going to be a couple guys who just kind of come out of nowhere and pitched a lot better. Then you would think, uh, Dezbo Hernandez is still kind of around too, so I, I wouldn't call it incre- incredibly likely, but he's the kind of guy that has the kind of stuff that if he starts really torching it as a reliever that he could move quickly. Because you're right that he, you know, he only pitched, you know, a little bit, uh, he hasn't really pitched a ton, but for the relievers I think that matters less, uh, than like giving like guys like reps as like starters and things like that. Um, the next question is, after Wilson, Wright, and Enoa, which young guy is next in line if needed this season, and who is most ready to contribute as a starter today? Uh, and he's mentioned specifically Tucker Davidson, Tukey if healthy, Muller, and JDLC. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that Tukey's not going to be a starter. Uh, I think he's this little reliever at this point. Uh, Garrett, who's, who's your guy there?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think the starter train has unfortunately sailed on Tukey. I, I mean, honestly, if – if we get past those guys it's it's a problem I mean I think the guy that's on the 40 man that's been getting called up is Davidson so if someone's forced into action it's going to be Davidson of that group and he's is I would say probably the closest to being major league ready um yeah I mean I I don't think I think that's a pretty easy answer with him being on the 40 man with him being already getting some major league experience I think that he's the next guy to go to if needed Uh, I don't Expect that they're gonna. I don't expect that they're going to go to Mueller or De La Cruz unless like something ridiculous happens, like last year, and they're just forced to scrape together a starting rotation. Hey, don't, don't, don't tempt it. The Braves got
2: pretty close with guys hitting the the, the rotation, uh, out of the rotation, hitting the injured list, uh, just in the past week or so. Uh, so, but I mean, it, it could theoretically happen. I think you're right. Uh, the roster move that's already happened has been Tucker Davidson. Now I think that he was being kind of moved as kind of moved up as kind of a bullpen option, but you know that he's the guy that was already moved up. That makes the most sense to me in terms of like if you need a spot start, then maybe you give Tucker a shot and he might be the starter in a bullpen game or something like that. Um, I don't. Th- I think that they're going to give Mueller and, and JDLC ch- and particularly and that's J- Decile de la Cruz. Uh, I think they're going to give them some starts in the minor leagues and then we'll kind of see where they're at with them. Uh, I think that the highest upside of all of all those guys is Mueller. But in terms of you know whether or not they're ready and whether or not you're ready to pull the trigger up on service time and making that roster move and using an option et cetera et cetera, uh, I think that that's going to be that's that that's a pretty easy Tucker Davidson. Even though I like the idea of Muller debuting sometime this year, because I think out of all four of those guys, he probably has the highest upside. And if he gets called up, that means good things are happening for him. Uh, but yeah, I tend to agree. It's gonna be it's gonna be Tucker. Uh, The next one is, what should we expect to see out of the 2020 draft, guys? Do all three pitchers start out in rotations? Do you see Franklin as a center fielder or left fielder
1: long term? Garrett, you're up. Um, I have no idea what we're going to see out of them. It's just been so long. I mean, I think – I mean, I think they'll probably give them all a try out of the rotation. If they don't, you might see Strider go into the bullpen, but I really think – you know, taking him the way they did, they're going to give him a shot, even if it's only a brief shot, just to see what it is. Um, Franklin, yeah, I mean, he's probably more likely to be a corner guy. He's probably could play a decent enough center field, that, like he could fill in there and you wouldn't, you know, a fourth outfielder type that can play center field when he's needed, but he's, I don't think he's like, if he ends up being a starter at the major league level, I don't think it's going to be in center field. I don't think that he's going to be able to do that.
2: Okay, so I'll answer the second question first, uh, and that is I, I do not think uh, Jesse Franklin is a center fielder. I think he's a corner guy. Um, I think he can hit, and I'm really curious as to kind of how well he hits. But, you know, in terms of, like, playing center field, I mean, I, they, he might get some starts in center because that's just kind of what happens in the minor leagues. But I think he's a corner guy, uh, and that means it's going to be a lot of pressure on the bat. Um, I, I don't think he'll be bad in the corner. I, I, I certainly don't think he's, like, a statue out there or anything. I just don't think he's going to be, like a, like, a long-term center fielder guy. Now, in terms of the pitchers, uh, Bryce Elder is for sure a rotation arm. We'll just, we'll just go ahead and get that out of the way. He is a rotation arm. Um, Strider is interesting because he pitched well, and he pitched uh, like three innings the other day uh, down at minor league camp and pitched well in those innings. So maybe they'll give him a shot as a starter. Uh, I see him more as a reliever long term, but you know, I'm if you feel like you can get a, a really decent starter in that kind of weird draft and that kind of where they picked him, was a really interesting place to put pick a guy like that who wasn't really considered to be one of those, you know, top five talent uh talent guys. So, you know, again, I'm I am intrigued by how he ends up getting used. Uh Schuster's interesting. Uh I my understanding well, I don't even say that. I have a suspicion that he's hurt. Um and like I'm not necessarily like reporting anything, but you hear enough about how much work he was getting at the alternate site, you know, how much work he's been getting in spring and you know, things like that, and I wonder if he's actually going to start the in- year either on the injured list or he's not going to be pitching. And th- he's obviously the highest upside of all those guys, um, and I and I still like him a lot, but I think that it, I would not be shocked, I'll say that, that if the 2020, 2021 season starts and we go through the first two weeks and we have not seen Jared Schuster pitch. Now, beyond that, like, I, what's the severity level and what's, what, what's the issue? I, I honestly couldn't tell you. But I will say that I am not going to be surprised if, you know, Schuster isn't pitching to start the season. And, again, maybe he's just working through something that's just kind of having to, you know, is just trying to get right and it just takes some time or maybe there's something more serious going on. But it just – there's enough smoke about as to what, you know, how much he's what, – what work he's been putting in uh, and if he's been appearing in games and all that other stuff that I am beginning to wonder if he's hurt. And if that's the case, then, you know, what the, the nature of that, in, nature of that injury will dictate a lot of kind of what he will be long term. And, you know, again, if it's just something, something small that he's having to just kind of work through, or well, yeah, then, you know, so be it. You know, like, it'll, there's a wide range of injuries that could take, keep a guy from working for a long time, but not all of them necessarily impact their viability as a pitcher long term. So, uh, he's kind of a guy I'm looking, I want to see what happens, you know, in terms of like where he's assigned, you know, if he's on the injured list, and if we see him pitch in the first two weeks, if we see him pitch in the first two weeks, great. Uh, and I think he's a rotation guy. But, again, you know, we have to kind of wait and see kind of what's going on with him before we, like, can he make any determinations as to, you know, what his long-term viability is. Because of all that first, of all that draft class, he's the one guy that we had the least information on in terms of what he's looked like as a pro. And that's a little bit concerning. So we're going to answer some more questions from you guys here in just a little bit. But before we do that, we're going to take a break to listen to a word from our sponsors.
0: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N 29.com.
1: Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, The Roast of Tom Brady,
2: a Netflix Live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and
1: frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix.
2: All right, guys, and we are back. And to answer some more questions from you guys, and this one... I, 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 we to ask this question, or variations of this question a lot, so I guess it's a good time to talk about him. Uh, with the recent injuries the Braves have had, I was hoping to see Trey Harris get some time in the majors. How close to ready do you think he is, and do you think that we'll see him in Atlanta this year? Garrett, are we going to see Trey Harris as an Atlanta Brave in
1: 2021? Uh, to answer the Part First half of that question, how ready do you think he is? I think he's as ready as he's going to be. I mean, he's taken a lot of time off, and maybe that's a consideration. He wasn't at the alternate site last year, so he really hasn't had as much time around these guys, so maybe that is a consideration for why he hasn't been called up. I would think at his age and his skill level, he's probably close to as ready as he's going to get. I think if we haven't seen him yet, again barring more injuries on top of what they've already had I don't think you're gonna see him I get the feeling based on the way he's been kept out of that camp last year based on the way he's been moved a little bit that the Braves aren't particularly high on him that's kind of the feeling they give and I don't think that they're in much of a rush to get him to the major leagues if injuries happen and it has to then he'll be there but i don't think he's very high on the list of guys that they want up there. So some of this
2: is a forty man consideration thing. Um, you know, like Guillermo Heredia is already on the forty man roster. They have guys that they would prefer to slot in there rather than add someone else to their forty to the forty man in order to make that happen. I think that if Christian Pache or you know some, something like that was going to be out for a long time. And they just lost complete faith in Guillermo Heredia. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that I don't think Ender Inciarte is going to play for a long time. I think he's really hurt. Um, And those hamstring injuries, like, he already plays above his physical level in terms of, like, what he tries to do. He he tries to run around like he's fast and he's not. Um, And when you don't have those physical abilities anymore and your body doesn't let you do that and you start to see, like, recurring hamstring injuries, uh, I become concerned that, like, you know, maybe he just needs – he's going to need a whole lot of time And he's not going to be a guy. But I, well, everything we have heard though is that Christian Pache should be relatively soon. He's already playing games down at the alternate site. And kind of getting back in shape, and maybe he's just trying to get his swing right, too, See, he didn't look particularly good at the plate. Uh, that's actually pretty kind. Um, So, you know, maybe he's just trying to work on, work on some things while he's down there, too. And, you know, Heredia's been passable since he's been up, so it's not necessarily something, there's a huge rush to do so at the moment. Um I, I think it's just going to take a long-term injury to kind of even get into the consideration for, you know, like the Trey Harris's and the Justin Dean's. Uh, he's, Justin Dean's another guy that you kind of wonder a little bit about, but I think Trey can hit, and I think... Th- I, I hope I, you wonder a little bit about if there's some guys in the organization that aren't as high on Trey Harris and it's made it a little bit more difficult for him to get an opportunity. But I think he can hit, and I think that is kind of like a fourth outfielder type, that um, as as you can or as a pinch hitter type, like you will struggle to find better options than Trey. Uh, beyond that, in terms of a everyday player, well, that's a little bit more wait and see. But I, whenever minor league season starts back up, I, I fully expect Trey Harris to be doing really well for himself. Uh, and, you know, again, he'll make that, these conversations a little bit more tricky because you have to wonder at some point, what are you going to do with this guy? Uh, next up, uh, is there anyone who has a chance to be brought up as a bench or bullpen contributor before September without injuries? It seems like they don't want to call top guys up, even if they are ready and can help if they won't play every day, i.e. Contreras. All right. Who's being brought up to uh, help the, the squad out, uh, assuming no one gets hurt? which is, makes things a lot trickier.
1: Yeah, that's uh, interesting. I mean, we mentioned him a little bit earlier. Um, if De La Cruz comes out this year and kind of shows – I mean, he he's not – I mean, he's still a very young prospect, but he's most – I mean, we can all admit that he's most likely going to end up in the bullpen. If he comes out and he really shows that it's time to move to the bullpen, I think he's good enough now to be a major league pitcher out of the bullpen. I mean, that's a possibility. There's, I mean, there's so many relievers at that AAA level that could get a shot this year that it's would be kind of crazy to list them on. Guys like Burroughs, Klaus. How good is Klaus's health doing? I haven't heard. Of, I haven't uh, heard. He
2: he's, 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 he's still rehabbing from that shoulder injury, okay. so I mean, okay, so, but yeah. uh, you know, in terms of,
1: you know, I mean, Casey Calix, another guy too. Yeah, who's Cam, kind of, yeah.
2: Yeah, who's, so, yeah, I mean, uh, who's, there's who's so, a heavy many,
1: injury, so. so many relievers. I mean, I think that, more I don't really think that there's going to be a whole lot of bench pieces called up if they were going to get called up they already would have with the amount of injuries that were going on I think that most likely it would end up being a reliever like um Calick or um is it Kalik or Kalic Kalic It is Kalic
2: I've heard both and I <laughs> I just call him, and I and I've just called him Casey so it's a little okay. bit tricky right uh, like yeah. like I'm, not, I'm not, I actually never like a, okay Casey pronounce your last name for me uh, I probably should um uh, in fact I'm sure I'll get some uh,
1: assuming he's listening to this thing I'm sure he'll, I'll I'll get a text I'll get a text soon but I think it's Calic but I'm, I'm, yeah, but I'm you like, know I I like him a lot and he can move fast he's definitely a guy I didn't even think about just then but yeah he's a guy that I do like a lot as a believer. right could see him getting some time in the major leagues for sure this year.
2: Yeah, the 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 interview I did with him, I don't know if you had a chance to read it, but talking to him about it over the past year, I haven't been able to talk about it a whole lot until he was kind of ready to talk about it. But when he was picking in college, he was pitching with a broken wrist, like full stop. Like, actual broken wrist was still thrown in the 90s. Um, so, you know, I'm pretty interested to see – I mean, you know, coming back from the injury that he had, he had a lot of – because it was broken for so long, you know, there was a lot of kind of rebuilding type stuff that had to happen. So I'm kind of curious how long it takes for him to get that flexibility back and be throwing off a mound and doing well. But overall, I'm excited. I'm excited to see Cal. too. Now, in terms of, like – I think you're right that the, the bullpen is the most likely place, and – the, the bench spots are going to be like kind of those veteran guys. I think that's just what they want in those spots. You know, like when in doubt, you know, this guy can, you know, come in and, you know, he won't be awesome, but he won't hurt himself. Um, and, you know, the bullpen contributors, those are going to be the, the guys that you were kind of mentioning kind of at that AAA level that could come up and help. Um, you know, one of the easiest guys to slot in was Patrick Weigel, but he's no longer a Brave, and that, that makes me sad. Uh, I'm still kind of, I'm still kind of getting over it. I mean, Patrick's been in the system so long. Uh but I hope he does really well out there and you know you know, he's kind of a guy that I, I have a really soft spot for for everything he's he's gone through. So but overall I mean again it's probably a bullpen guy, but there's kind of a pick em of guys that it could be and just kind of whoever is pitching the best in triple A will probably be a guy that maybe gets a shot depending on how well they're pitching and what's going on. Um Okay. Next up we have uh regardless of how likely they are to get there, who has the three best ninety nine percent outcomes in the system? Excluding Michael Harris and Kyle Muller, and what would those outcomes be?
1: Garrett, you have the floor. We're also going to exclude Pache because you know he's he's at the major league level. We he's not going to play in the minor leagues again unless he has to go for rehab or whatever. A guy – we talked about this a little bit before the show that wasn't on this list to be excluded but is the really, really obvious choice is Drew Waters. Um, I think a lot of guys yeah, have, have like I think soured for no reason whatsoever. I mean this dude could be one of – I mean this is – he has superstar potential out all over the place. He's one of the, his bad ball ability is insane. He, he does have concerns. We all recognize those concerns, but in terms of pure potential, I, the dude's always hit and there's no reason to believe that he will not continue to hit. He's got incredible bat speed, good power. He's, he's fast. He can play good defense. He's got a good arm. He's got a really great competitive mentality where he's going to show up. He's going to work. He's going to put into the work to be the better, to be a great player. So I, he's – of the guys that we haven't seen in the major leagues this year, he is the best prospect and he has the highest potential. I, I don't think that – I think leaving him off that list is not even – he's by far the highest. A couple other guys that you could look at on that list, we mentioned him early, Makai Backstrom. If he hits, if he can – you know, he struggled a little bit contact-wise in high school, but if he can come back and hit in the – professional level i mean he's got tremendous power i mean he he could be a real a very very good bat another guy that you love i know you love him and who's a great all-around player would be like steven paulina paulini uh if he yes if he does well i mean if he if he can develop in the system he really i mean he has a ton of potential to be a very very good starting outfielder those, those, those are good
2: those are good answers there I, I want to add the, the top of the list is drew waters I mean like he's a switch hitting guy who will stick in center field and play it well who has speed and power I don't know what else you need from you know it, the the ninety nine percent outcome is that he hits two eighty to and if he does that like that's part of one of the better players on the entire team you know what i mean like I, i'm I'm kind of like that's Again, I, there's a certain little amount of prospect fatigue, and I think people have just kind of assumed that Drew's going to have like, you know, all the swing and miss, and like, he has, has no chance of being anything. And there's certainly some of those folks out there, but Drew's a much better prospect than he's given credit for. Uh, the other, I'm going to mention two other names. Uh, you did definitely pick some good ones. Uh, one is Braden Shumake. Uh, As a 99% outcome, he'll hit like 330 with some with power and speed, and will stick it short. That's really good. You know what I mean? But again, that's a 99 percent outcome. I'm not I'm not protecting that. Uh, And I've been a little bit lower on on Shoemaker in terms of because, like, you know, things I'm not sure if he sticks it short. I'm not sure if the kind of that open stance will lead to power and, you know, the the extra muscle he's carrying, you know, how that isn't playing in games, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, like, those are those are those are legitimate concerns. But in terms of, like, best outcomes, like shoe makes another guy. And then, like, I know it's kind of a weird one to say, but Bryce Ball. Seems like a guy, like a guy that's built like Aaron Judge, his 99% outcome is playing like Aaron Judge.
1: Uh, Paul was on my list, too. Paul was on my list, too.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That just means he hit tanks all the time. Uh, That's just what he does. Uh, And he has feel for hitting, too. He's not going to be a guy that kind of, you know, hits 230. Again, in the best outcome, he'll hit for some average, too. He'll draw walks. You know, he'll be at first base, and he'll play over there reasonably. uh, Or as a DH, and he'll play. But at the plate, the guy will just hit bops and as a 99% outcome, the, a guy that can hit the ball that far hard and that far in a 99% outcome, he also does it often and that's really really valuable. Um so um, who has, players, the next
1: one another quick ahead. addition to that would be which we have not seen at all is um Ambioros Severas has a ton of potential. Yep. Yeah.
2: Yeah, you
1: know, he's, if, he's, if, if that if that 99% outcome he sticks at shortstop, shh, you, you could see a lot there. But that's a very, very unlikely thing to happen.
2: Yeah, I I don't. I mean, like I, I mean, I read all the scouting reports on Ambioris. He'll be on our prospect list at midseason for certain. But you know, in terms of, I just like want to see more out, more information about him. Um, you know, whether he's playing in the Dominican summer league or kind of how he's handled going forward. You know, when guys are that young, I'm always like kind of more of a kind of a wait and see type on those, uh, unless there's just a ton of information about them. Uh. But beyond that, you're, you're right. He's definitely kind of a, like, among the best outcomes. He's a guy that's worth mentioning because, you know, if you, if he's like, again, a guy that sticks it short and who hits for power, then yeah, I mean, you, you definitely take those kinds of guys. Um, for the next question is, who has the most to prove lose this year? For example, is there someone in the top 10 to 20 who's at a higher than normal risk of fouling out of the team's future plans or at least the top 10 or 20 if they don't do X? And if there is, what is X for that player? You're, you're up.
1: That's, I, that's a tough one really. I mean, I think it definitely comes down to with the pitching depth you have, it comes down to it. Like I mentioned before, if De La Cruz comes out and he sh- kind of starts to prove at the AAA level that he's not ready to Start, I think you kind of. I think this is kind of the year where they're going to start set. They're where they're going to start making that decision: Are you a bullpen guy going forward, or are you a starter? I think that that's a guy that you could see lose a lot. I don't. I, I mean, I don't really think that with the layoff that they've had and the way, I don't really think that there's a particular guy that like. I think that they might be lenient if guys struggle a little bit because no one's played baseball in a year and a half. So if guys struggle, you can just look at it and say he hasn't played baseball in a year and a half. It happens. We'll see what happens. I really don't think that there's a ton of guys that are like kind of on their last leg if they don't succeed this year. I mean, you can look at guys that aren't really in the top 10 to 20, guys like uh, like uh CJ Alexander, that if they struggle this year, they're probably done. But I, I don't think that there's a ton of guys at the top of the list that are really in danger of kind of – getting lost in the shuffle.
2: So this is a tricky question, right? Because I think if it's of young guys, uh, and I say like guys who are a year or two removed from high school, that they'll have some time. Um, and so like a guy like Stephen Paolini, if he has a bad year or, you know, he struggles, he's not a guy that's just not going to be in the plans anymore. So you're looking for guys who are older and who have a lot of real questions about them. Uh, the high, if I'm looking at the list, and I'm looking at the highest ranked guy that could just completely fall off, it might be Tucker Davidson, because if he has a bad year, or if, you know, you know what I mean? Like, he's kind of a guy that, you know, there's some real questions to whether or not he can stick as a starter, and if he ends up not sticking as a starter, and then ends up struggling as a reliever, uh, you wonder about his future long term, because there's definitely a lot of guys in that kind of conversation for a starter, that he's, I mean, again, he might fall uh, – he might fall a uh, ways. How that fall happens would ultimately determine whether or not they – like his future plans uh, – he, if he's a future plans guy or anything like that. Uh, another guy uh, who's on uh, a little bit quote-unquote older is Justin Dean. Uh, if, you know, maybe the speed isn't playing or he has a really bad year, he's a guy that would – you know, you, you have to you – know, if he's hitting 220 or something like that, then, you know – yeah, he's, you know, not necessarily as useful of a player. Uh I don't think that's a particularly likely outcome. Uh, I think that Justin's a a really good player, and I think he'll perform well. Uh Freddie Tarlocks another guy uh, who is still young-ish, but, you know, he's going to have to start putting together a performance here before too long because, you know, if he's going to stick as a starter, you know, at some point he's going to have to put together some good starts. Now, again he's a guy that I really want to watch closely because I think that he might be better served just to be turned into a reliever so he can just let that stuff rip. But he's a guy uh I, I am, <laughs> I am hopeful that this list that we just made is the last list that Thomas Burroughs appears on <laughs> because he's been around for a long time. Uh And I, you know, I just, at some point I just don't think that he's going to get an opportunity to land on. Um, and it, if he, they keep calling up other guys to make relief spots and they're not putting Thomas Burroughs in there, then I think that's probably just time to just, to, you know, Except the fact that he's just kind of a minor league guy uh, without much of a future in the organization. That's just kind of my general top line thoughts there. But, uh, you know, again, we are very fluid with all of our rankings. If a guy just decides he can't hit or if a guy decides he can not hit, we have no problems, you know, or, you know, vice versa, you know, pitch or whatever. Doesn't really matter. You know, we, we will adjust according to what our eyes are telling us and the information we get. You know, we, we want to take track record into effect, but, you know, if a guy jumps up the double A and all of a sudden he can't hit at all or he gets shelled or things like that, I mean, that does tell us something. Uh, how much of that tells us is ultimately determined by what we're seeing in terms of the reasons for things happening. Um, so next question, uh, we only got a couple more, uh, which is, do you guys think that the Braves will continue to covet Older, rising college players in the early rounds of this year's draft? And do you like AA's the approach AA's group has taken into the draft overall?
1: We have thoughts on this. Garrett, I'll let you go first. For the first question, for the first part of this question, okay, let's just start with the second part of the question because I think it's going to be the easiest to answer. I, I, I think that their approach has some positives and negatives. They've done great later in drafts. They've gotten a ton of good players after, you know, the third, fourth, fifth round that have potential to to perform at the major league level. Where they've missed, I don't think that they've gotten what I would consider high-end talent in the first round. And now when you're going 24-25, it can be kind of hard sometimes to get that high-end talent. But, you know, they're trying to get guys that can get to the major – it feels like they're trying to get guys that can get to the major leagues and contribute. It's fine. They're getting some depth later in the round later rounds that are working, and I think that the way they did it two years ago... Last year was weird, obviously, but the way they did it two years ago, I think that they had a lot of success, and I don't have an issue with it. I think that that was a good draft. Now, do I think that they will do that this year? I think that they will try. I just... I don't know who they could possibly pick. The college... There's some... I mean, there's the good college players at the top of the draft, but after the top of the draft, I mean, there's really... No one in that 25 to 40 ish range that is all that good when you're talking about college players. I don't think that they're going to have, unless they want to, you know, take a chance on a high end talent like a Jaden Hill that happens to fall down because of injury, unless they want to do something like that, which really doesn't fit into their approach all that much, I don't i don't see how you don't go with the high school talent at that position because it's simply this year the better talent is at the high school level there's not a lot of depth at the college level and i don't i think i don't think that going i don't think that going with a college batter or college pitcher just because you want a college player makes sense when there's 15 to 20 high school hitters that are better players than anything that you're going to get out of college level i think you go for this year is a year that you just go for that talent at the back end of the draft and try to get a good high school player and adjust your strategy from there. And I I think that they can – I think they're plenty capable of doing that. They'll take what – the I think they'll take what they believe is the best option for them, and I do think that this year it's going to be a high school bat.
2: So generally speaking, my philosophy is you take the best player available. Um, Where this gets tricky is if there's disagreement over – who that player is, um, and I'll, I'll say this: the the twenty nineteen draft is the closest draft that we have. I, I'm not whatever happens in twenty twenty. It was a really weird year. Um, you, safety really mattered. You needed to get guys that both would sign and could potentially contribute to your team. Uh, I think the Braves was concerned they only had four picks. Did reasonably well. How well they did will ultimately be determined by when we actually get to see these guys play. Uh, and we will certainly be able to do some sort of retrospective regarding that probably after a couple months of season, at least we can kinda of get a sense of kind of what these guys can or can't do. Um, the 2019 draft was a, a, a bit of a, a bit of a polarizing one for us. Uh, Matt very famously didn't like it. Uh, I Day one, I think that they could have done a little bit better in terms of the talent they got. Um, I completely understand. It's taken me a little while to get there, but I understand picking Shay Langley where they did. Um, you know, I that's not the pick I would have made. I would have picked Corbin Carroll without blinking, uh, and that's a high school bat. I think he can stick in center field. I think he's going to hit a ton. But you know, for a guy a guy who's really really good defensively, who can also probably hit at catcher, you, you pick. I I I completely understand that pick. Uh, I would have been, also probably been in on Hunter Bishop as well. But, you know, my those aren't the picks that I would make, but it's completely defensible. And, you know, having seen Shea, you know, he's obviously very, very good. That that draft comes down to whether or not Brandon shoemaker is any good or not. And, you know, it seems like that, you know, there were a lot of teams that were kind of in on him. It seems like Tampa Bay was going to take him next uh, if he didn't go to the Braves there. And if that's the case, then maybe there's something to it because, you know, if Tampa is interested in the guy – then there probably is some validity into kind of you know getting him. Uh, I, I still don't understand the Bo Phillips selection. I, I and I, I won't. <laughs> like I, 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 no, I don't I don't see the I don't see the value to that pick uh, that high. Uh, it's not that I don't I dislike Bo. It's just you know just I just don't think he was the second rounder. Um, but I do like you know what they were doing in the later rounds. You know what t- what talent they were targeting, and where they targeted them uh, in terms of the high school talent in days two and day three. Uh, I think that that part will continue. Uh, is that they'll be? I think that they're going to be pretty good to very good regarding picking the talent that they want to get in day on day two, day three. How that shakes out when there's uh, less rounds to work with, and you're not doing the full forty anymore. Um, you know, it, it, there's going to be a little bit. There's definitely going to be some differences that we are have to get used to in in that regard. Um, I think that it would not. I think it would be a mistake as of now, unless there is a college guy that they really, really love. They feel like that they know something about, like you know, they kind of like a hidden, like they they know what to fix and how to fix it, or you know, maybe there's something that's undervalued about them. Like towards the back end of the round, I don't see this college class as very good. I just don't. Um, the particularly on the college pitching side, the, the top of the draft. I mean, look, the top of the draft with you know two prep shortstops and Lowler Um. And uh I, thought, God, I forgot the other kid's name. But also with Leiter and Rocker, both out of Vanderbilt, the, the two college righties who are like destroying everybody. Um, the, the top of the draft's fine. But after that, the depth really drops off, particularly with college side, particularly on the bat side. And that's the result. I just don't think you're getting first round value if you're doing that. I think that the Braves need to dig in on these high school guys and figure out a kid that they like that might drop to them. Cause I think that a lot of teams would prefer to have college talent just because of where they are in their terms of their competitive window and what they have their needs for, et cetera. I think that teams want, you know, really do, there is a, a certain premium on that these days. I, I don't think that that would be the correct approach in this draft. Uh, just kind of as an early first glance. Um we still have a lot of work to do in terms of what's who, you know what this draft class is going to look like and you know who's going to rank where and who's going to be kind of available here and there. But I think that the I think that the play here this year is to go with a high school player in round 1. And that would do wonders for, you know, like spending some time with like really high-end high school talent would do wonders for the lower levels of the minors, which is where they need some help. Uh, guys that they can develop over time, that's where I'd be devoting my time. Um, you know, do I, do I like the approach overall? Like, I certainly have some questions about it in terms of, like, what their models are telling them and, you know, overall how, how that, what, how the information that they're getting is translating into, like, overall value. And, you know, you wonder little things about, you know, like, guys all of a sudden getting spikes in velocity and things like that. And, you know, how much that plays into, you know, how good they are and et cetera, et cetera uh when there's maybe some reasons mechanically to be suspicious that that's something that's sustainable long-term. But overall, you know, without knowing all the information, like their approach is fine. I just think that sometimes it's uninspired. Uh, and I think that this year it's not something that's going to serve them particularly well. Again, you know, unless there's certainly times where there's going to be information that we're not aware of. And if depending on what the, what the pick is, if it's some like, you know, power bat that, you know, maybe we thought was going to be a third rounder and they pick him at the bottom of the first, then maybe they know something about the guy that we don't. Uh, and it'll be very interesting to see what happens. Um, last question. And then we will let everyone go is if you had to bet all your money on which prospect yet to make their debut would be on the 2022 opening day roster. Who would you bet it on? Or would you bet that there would be none assume health for all and the bullpen counts.
1: Garrett, who's your guy? Drew Waters. I mean, he's, he's the best prospect left of the minor league system. And if, if there's a DH next year, I don't, I mean, they might hold him back for two weeks, but you might as well put him at the major league level. I mean, he's, he's good enough to play at the major league. He'll be good enough to play at the major league level next year. I think he's the guy. See, that, that's, that's kind of the interesting wrinkle, right? Is it says opening day. You know what
2: I mean? <laughs> uh, I think that that's, I think that's the correct answer, I think. Uh, is that you know, assuming that there's going to be a DH and assuming we're going to have a season, uh, because we are kind of operating on the assumption that Major League Baseball and the Players Union can agree to something like a, a baseball season when they couldn't even agree that the universal DH was something that was in the best interest of everyone. Um, this uh, this year, I, I think that the answer is Waters, and that the most likely option is some you know, is, is Acuna, Pache, and Waters in the outfield, just because of proximity. Like that seems like the easiest thing. Uh, there's no like hot shot like relief prospect that I think is a lock for like the 2022 roster uh, that would make their debut on the opening day. You know, like if we, if, we, if I think that there's some guy that's rocketing up this year as a reliever, then he would make his debut this year as a reliever because they have some needs there. Um, and then in terms of beyond that, I, I I like the idea of that being waters. I, I think that the, that's something that. he again would that makes the most sense to me uh there's a lot of other permutations i could see a world where you know water struggles a little bit and then all of a sudden michael harris makes things really difficult uh like you know kind of like a a really quick ascension or something like that but you know is that really a fair thing to expect out of the guy probably not um and you know beyond that you know i know it sounds kind of weird but you know, we don't know if Freddie Freeman's going to be a Brave next year, and that's going to that would change some things pretty quickly. Uh, I th- I say that we don't know. I think it's likely, but overall, definitely something that to kind of keep an eye on because that twenty twenty two season, there's a lot of uncertainty around it for on a, on a multitude of levels. And you know, if I'm having the bet, Drew Waters is the guy, but there's definitely some other places where you wonder. You know, is Braden Chumake make a guy that you want to start thinking about playing, you know, short or third or whatever? You know what I mean? The, these these are all guys that we have to kind of think about, you know, especially if he's hitting really well. Um Catcher is another position. Uh You know, Contreras has already made his debut, so you know, is Shea Langlier is going to be the on the opening day roster for 2022 as the catcher? I'm not so sure. Uh, I think that Contreras is going to be kind of a guy that's already on the 40 man roster, and if that's the case, then where are you going to put Shea? Are you going to be? Is he going to be your backup? I'm I'm a little bit skeptical, but it kind of ultimately depends on how things go uh, this season. Well, that's all we've got uh, for the mailbag. A lot of really good questions this week. Really appreciate you guys taking the time to put out a lot of thoughtful questions. We got a lot of questions. Uh, I, I'm, I'm and I'm struggling for names. Well, but, but one one listener in particular answered a whole asked a whole bunch of questions, and we appreciate that because it kind of gives us a lot of different things to top, talk about. Um. Really appreciate you guys listening to the when – when we do the podcast here at Road to Atlanta, as well as the Talking Chop podcast. Make sure you're telling your friends to subscribe to the Talking Chop podcast feed on whatever podcast purveyor they prefer to use. Uh, not only do you get this podcast where we're talking about the minor leaguers, but you also get to hear the Talking Chop podcast, which is our flagship uh, podcast hosted by the great Brad Rowland. You also do hear myself on that podcast fairly regularly. Um, as well as Scott Coleman and, you know, various guests as we, as we, as we can get folks to come on. Really appreciate it. Garrett, is there anything else you want to share with folks before we let them go?
1: Nothing at all. Just, uh, don't sleep on Drew Waters.
2: Definitely don't sleep on Drew Waters. Uh, we're going to be, it's going to be get, coming up on us that we're going to be starting to really kind of crank out some minor league content for you guys, uh, as we're actually going to get minor league games in. I speak for the entire staff by being very thankful that, you, uh, that, that season is coming because we have really truly missed it. And so hopefully that comes soon, that hopefully that, that comes soon because I feel, I kind of feel myself getting a little twitchy and crazy, not even being able to get the chance to get to see minor league games. And now that it's really close, it's almost worse. Uh, again, thanks again to all of you for listening and supporting the podcast and supporting the site. Uh, it's meant the world to us as to see the site grow over the last few years. Um, it's done. It's been remarkable, frankly, and, you know, we're finally getting back through that stretch of it being really, really rough <laughs> uh, to actually kind of get back to a little bit of normalcy. So please be safe out there. Um, try not to not you do your best to not get sick. Make sure you're wearing your masks. And if you can, please get vaccinated. Uh, I am a walking testament to the fact that I feel so much better and it's just it's a it's a really big relief. Um and I certainly didn't have any issues. Uh beyond the, uh being super super tired for about thirty six hours. Uh after that uh I'm you know feeling great doing great. I'm happy to answer any questions about that as well. Uh so thanks again everybody and until next time we'll see you on the road.